Welcome back to the Salty Community Podcast, where we are dedicated to helping you grow your personal relationship with both God and Jesus. We do this by emphasizing a foundation of scripture and give you tools and opportunities to experience them in a personal and unique way for you. The kingdom of God invites us into an interactive relationship with him. This podcast series explores all that it means to seek first his kingdom. We will be learning together how to develop a kingdom perspective and how to live it out right now. Join us for this 12-week series and watch the kingdom inside of you grow as you experience heaven on earth. Hi, I'm Deanna, and today we are going to start with week one intro into the kingdom of God. I am very, very excited about this study. Um, it God has been having it on my heart um, for months now, and so I'm really excited to see where it will go. I'm not even sure where that is yet, but I'm excited for where it's going to go. Um, I want to just, if you are new and just joining us um, in the Salty podcast, I want to go ahead and introduce myself, and we're going to tell you a little bit about how Salty happened before we jump completely into this series. Um, so my name is Deanna. I um, have been married 27 years to the cowboy of my dreams. Um, we live on a horse ranch. We have two kids that are mostly grown. Um, and uh, he, Troy is my cowboy, is super supportive of this ministry and um, lets me turn the house upside down so that we can get videos done and all the things that need to happen. So um, I come from a background of teaching Bible study and I have taught Bible study for years. Um, but this is new, doing Salty this way, um, a ministry, uh, independent, and with the board of directors and all the things. But um, it's fun. Um, I enjoy uh, what we're doing, and I'm super thankful that Colleen listened when God said this is what we're supposed to do. Yeah, so I'm Colleen, and um, I'm a homeschool mom. I'm a former nurse. I'm married to a man named Cody, who is very supportive as well. I have two kiddos, um, one biological and one stepson. Um, my daughter loves horses. She actually hangs out on Deanna's horse ranch quite a bit. And uh, and then Carter, he's a cowboy at heart as well. Um, he's nine. And I basically, my whole testimony is I was taught how to have this relationship with Jesus. And now... I just want to share it with people. Um, and that is basically how Salty got started. Deanna and I met at a local church, and I was she inherited me in a Bible study. And one day, God put one day, actually, it was one day I started calling you my best friend. We just kind of grew together um, through small groups and things like that. And that's where I really learned um, what it meant to have a relationship with God. And like I said, I just wanted to share it. And God put it on my heart that we should start this ministry and do exactly that. So that is exactly what we are doing. Took me a little while to hear everything that she was saying because I was in the middle of running a ladies' Bible study. Um, but eventually um, she did. She was persistent. I was. And I appreciate that she did not give up after I didn't hear her the first few times. Yep. So Salty is... Um, is in its early stages, even though we have been after this for over a year. Yeah, couple. Now, I, I think we're going on two. Yes, so it's been a while. But what is really cool is all the things that God is doing in this space now. So we do have a Facebook Live group that um, I teach a class 
on Monday nights at 7 o'clock. So the, the information that we are going to be sharing with you on the podcast today is from that class that was just taught last night. Um, so if you ever want to join us there, all you have to do is like the Salty Community on Facebook, and it will be available to you every Monday night. Also, um, there is a listening guide that goes with every class that will be done in this series, and you can right now find those on our Facebook page in the notes. Um, so you are welcome to look for that there. Eventually, and probably sooner than we even understand, we will have a website available, and all the documents and all the podcasts and all the classes will be able to be found there as well. But in the meantime, if you want to um, have a listening guide to go with um, this, you can find that on Facebook page, The Salty Community. So also this class comes with homework. Um, in my, for me, homework is very important. I grew, I grew up in Bible study um, as a ladies' Bible study. I actually attended my first ladies' Bible study when my eldest son was maybe a month or two old. He is now 21. Um, and almost every Bible study I did in ladies' Bible class was Beth Moore. And there is a lot, a lot of homework. So I want to start with telling you, if you've ever done a Beth study, my homework is a fraction, a very small fraction of the amount that she has you do. But I do think it is so important. In fact, it's foundational that we stay in our Bibles as we grow in our relationship with God and Jesus so that we do not stumble into deception. Um, it's a protection for us. It is also a great jumping space to grow deeper um, through Scripture. Yeah staying, yeah, staying in my Bible was really, really important. Um, when I would sit in small group and listen, I would not be able to hear. And I knew, and I started to see that correlation where when I was my, my ears were, it was like foggy or I couldn't hear well, was when I hadn't been reading God's word. And so don't be me. <laughs> do the homework. And even if you, yeah, do, the, do what Deanna gives you, but most importantly, be in your Bible. Be in your Bible. Mm -hmm. So the homework for this particular series is going to be in Psalms. Um, it's 12 weeks long, just like the series is, and by the end of the 12 weeks, you will have read the entire book of Psalms, and you will have learned how to read it. You will have learned how to take as much away as you can. Um, each day, you read a different, a little amount, and um, I have some exercises and things for you to do. Um, I really, really love how the Psalms homework turned out. I think you're going to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. um, however, if you are brand new to Scripture... Um, you may want to start in a gospel. So you may want to start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. That's in the New Testament. It's those first four books. And if you're brand new to Scripture, we're going to just recommend that you start with Mark. And we have a Bible study for that as well. Um, you can probably uh, message us on Facebook for right now, and we will be happy to get the right study into your hands. Pretty soon, those will be available on the website, and you can just choose whichever Bible study that you would like to do because there will be information about each one. So that is our homework situation. I want you to stay just really grounded in God's Word while you are um, going through this series with us. But now let's jump into the series. So um, as God started getting my attention about the kingdom of God, um, I didn't realize that it is everywhere. Like mm -hmm. it is all through Scripture. It is just such a... 
important piece, but it is also such a repetitive thing that is spoken. Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven throughout his ministry. So um, our theme scripture for this study is out of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. This is out of the um, Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus has been talking for a little while to a large crowd of people. And he says in this spot, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So we are to seek first his kingdom. And as I started thinking about that, I was like, oh, we're going to be seekers together. And I was like, no, seekers is a really yucky word. Like, that's not a word we use today. No, not at all. (laughs) I don't know. Seeker didn't sound right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, so I Googled it because that's what you do when you need a better word. I was like, I need a better word than seeker. And it had all these cool words, but really the one that stuck out to me was student. Mm. We're going to be students together seeking the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. So I just encourage you to be a student Um, Let the Holy Spirit teach you um, as you're in your word, as you are sitting in church, wherever it is, just allow the Holy Spirit to teach you what he wants you to see um, about the, about the kingdom of God. Yeah. That reminds me, this might be, that that reminds me that um, I was in marriage counseling one time. Don't judge me, but I was there and um, the counselor said to me, do you study your spouse? Mm-hmm. And the thought that I would study, I'm like, well, how do I study my spouse? What are you talking about? And she said, do you learn something new about this person every day? Oh, wow. And it so resonated with me with my relationship with God as well. Like, mm-hmm. am I learning something new about him daily? Oh, that's really cool. You know what I mean? And that's it's very convicting because I assure you I'm not learning something new about <laughs> my cowboy every day. <laughs> I know. And you think, how long have you been married to you? 27 years. Yeah, for 27 years. Surely you know everything. You would but think. But you probably don't. Probably not. Probably not. Because we grow and we develop and mm-hmm. we become, you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. And there's so much to learn. So as we look at this verse, I, um, I want to look a little bit at the um, original Um, The New Testament um, is written in Greek. That is how it was originally um, written. And so I like to go back and look at those original words because in the translation from Greek to English, um, a lot can be lost. Like we can lose a lot Mm -hmm. of the context and a lot of the meaning. And so I like to go back and look at the original. um, And I also like to see other ways it could have been translated because a lot of times our English, like a Greek word, can be translated three or four different ways into the English. So um, seek Mm -hmm. is what they chose here, but what else could it be? So the original Greek word is zeto for seek, um, and it can be translated just like you think, to seek, but it's to seek in order to find. It's not a random seeking. It's not a, hey, I'm just going to the mall to look for something. Mm -hmm. It is a seek with a a plan in mind, like a seek with, this is absolutely what I want to find. Mm -hmm. So you cannot use this in reference to going to the mall to just see what jumps out at you. This is seeking in order to find. Mm -hmm. It's also to inquire, to search. I really loved that, to search for something Mm -hmm. and to aim at something uh, for our lives to be aimed at the kingdom of God seems really cool as well. And then finally, to crave something. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and um, do we crave the kingdom of God and all things of God? Um, I really um, love that word. I like that. I think that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. So then I decided, so then I looked at first, thinking, you know, maybe it means something. Yeah, no. <laughs> first means first. Um, the original is proton, actually, and we are not sure how that maybe relates to mm-hmm. science, but it means just what you think it means. Mm-hmm. It is first. There's no get out of jail on this one. It doesn't mean you can seek it along with other things. It is seek first mm-hmm. the kingdom of God. Yeah. I think sometimes when we look at Matthew 6.33 and we it says seek first the kingdom of God and then it's and then all those things will be added. Um my, me personally, it's the first part that gets me because I can seek and find a lot of things and I can be wrapped up in so many other things that are happening. But the first part is where I'm not, I'm, well, do I want to say failing? Probably so. Where I fail at times and then I wonder why I'm not getting the results. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, for sure. Like I'm not getting the, and all things will be added um, because I'm seeking, but I'm not doing it first. Right. It's Something on. Got in the way. Or it's it's in the it's in the not important pile. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Sometimes where you have so many things going on, and life just got really busy for me because Salty's happening, and my husband's planting a church, and Bell School just started. So all of my things are col- are like colliding, right? And the seeking first. It's been a couple of days. Mm-hmm. It just gets put on the mm-hmm. on the low priority list sometimes. Because you know God's not going to like shoot you down with lightning because None. you didn't no. start your day with Him or right. any of that. There doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be the consequence. Like if I don't get my house picked up before yeah. everyone shows up, then the consequence is I'm having to do small group or life in a mess. But if I skip mm-hmm. time with God and move it or just skip it all together that day, is there a consequence? Mm-hmm. And what I think is, is there probably is a really big consequence. Yeah. We're just not recognizing mm-hmm. it. But as our quiet time and as our seeking him first and putting him first, um, as he does that in our heart, mm-hmm. it will come to a place where we truly miss mm-hmm. doing things his way mm-hmm. and doing and letting him be first because we will see the fruit in our life. Yeah. And thinking about your house analogy, if you don't clean your house once, it's a little messy. But if you don't clean it for a month, think of the mess. Oh. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's it's almost like it compounds into this big, huge thing when you just didn't, if you don't do it once, Mm -hmm. but then you don't do it for a month. Right. It can get very messy. Yes. So seeking him first matters. And I'm sure as we continue through this study, we're really going to start dialing down into mm-hmm. what does it mean to seek him first? What yeah. does that mean? Um, what does it mean to put God first mm-hmm. um, in his kingdom? So mm-hmm. instead of spending a ton of time today talking about the kingdom of God, because that is what our study is, right. I want to look at the rest of our theme scripture so that... Um, We've looked at all the other parts so that while we sit here on the kingdom of God part, we are also understanding. It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So we also, I want to, the study is not on righteousness, but it is absolutely important because it is part of this theme scripture. And it is, we're not going to seek first his kingdom well if we're not also seeking first his righteousness. Mm. 
So what in the world does that word mean? It sounds like a very, very churchy, Christianese word, and it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to break it down. The Greek word is really long, so I'm not even going to try um, to say that for you. But um, what it means, and I looked this word up. I looked up righteousness in, verse the, in the Greek and in the Hebrew because the word righteousness is all over the place in the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew. Um, but here's some of the things that it means. To be in the right in a moral and forensic sense. And that was kind of like to be in the right morally and scientifically almost. Like mm-hmm. to be in the right. Um, also, it means straight. Um, the, the Greeks used to use this word righteous mm-hmm. to describe um, their weapons, like a sword or mm-hmm. a, a lance, that it was righteous. It was straight. Oh, wow. And that seems a very odd word to use, but that is the word they used. Another definition is the state of a person who is as they ought to be. The state of a person who is as they ought to be. And have you ever thought that there was a way we ought to be? Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, a, I'm guessing that's got to be different for everyone. I'm just the thinking way of the way that I am, and I'm like, that is, might not be how it ought to be. <laughs> is this the way that it ought? And you know, when I think about that, I think about a baby. Because they haven't really been messed up yet um, yeah. a lot of times. And they're the way they ought to be. They are, or a toddler mm-hmm. You know, that just said, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in my quiet time this morning, God was reminding me that I I need to live in a place of childlikeness. Yeah. That I need to live there because that's it, probably how I ought to be. It doesn't take us long, though, to, to move from that childlike mm-hmm. innocence and faith and um, just all the things, the mm-hmm. sweetness, and become... Logical. And who we ought not be. Mm -hmm. So righteousness is living life the way we ought to live life. It also means um, the condition of being acceptable to God. It means integrity. And then this one was a little ah, purity of life, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. I, I was like, correctness of thinking. Okay, maybe sometimes I get that right. I can take thoughts captive pretty well. But correctness of feeling, I'm like, I'm sorry, but my feelings are never doing things correctly. <laughs> so I'm not there by any means. And then and then correctness of acting. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a whole package thing. It's not just doing something with a bad attitude. It's just this whole mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I really struggle with this word in the, by, like, definition. You know, like, and... Because I live in a world that right is so wrong sometimes, or what is considered right, I know doesn't line up, that sometimes I can get influenced and in what I know might, I can be almost influenced as well into thinking that maybe something is righteous when it really isn't righteousness. Um, so I do have to keep myself grounded in truth so that I can continue to live righteously. And something else that I, and, and I'll ask this question, like, how do I live righteously and not become religious? Oh, very true. You know, like, how do you live rightly and then not become a religious person who is always concerned about... 
How you live. How you live. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I really think the only solution to that is relationship. Yeah. Is when he lives through us and in us and it and we live from that place of relationship because we find his grace there. Mm-hmm. Um, we find his strength to get it done. And you can't get super religious when you know that you've done something well because he did it through you. That's right. Like it had nothing to do with you. You mm-hmm. knew you couldn't do that that well. Yeah. Um, it, it's very humbling. So I think being able to live... From our relationship, which often for me means being on my face before him, um, it keeps us humble. And where there is a lot of humility, there's not a lot of religion. There just isn't. Yeah. But you made such a great point about truth and what is right. The, in the country that we're living in right this second, mm-hmm. what is right and what is wrong is a mess. Like, nobody can agree on what is right or what is wrong. It's right, it's right to do this. It's wrong to do this. But depending on what your Facebook feed looks like or what your Google feed looks like, the definition of what is right and wrong is not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, people are polarized. They're completely in opposite camps, both screaming opposite things saying they're right. Mm-hmm. So if you're somewhere in the middle of all that, which is where most of us are, mm-hmm. you have to scratch your head and go, how did we get here? Mm-hmm. And what is really right and what is really wrong? Mm-hmm. And um, I watched a, a documentary on Netflix and it, it said, depending on what you're reading, you get your own definition of truth. Mm. And you think this is true. And the person down the road gets a whole different definition of truth. And that is how we have become mm-hmm. so angry and so offended because we don't have the same definition of truth. Mm-hmm. Truth is now relative to what mm-hmm. you, where you live, mm-hmm. what you're experiencing. Yeah. All these different things and truth yeah. is not relative. Truth is found only in mm-hmm. Jesus and only in his word. And if when we can all agree on what is true, mm-hmm. then things would be, then this land would have a greater chance of being healed mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he's all that is true. Yeah. So maybe another really hard question, but how do you love people well when... You know they might not be living righteously. Like there's like in the Christian community, there is this thing, and I don't even know if it's almost like an elephant in the room. Like, like we know that people might not be living a certain way, but where do you walk the line of condoning behavior and loving people well? Well, Jesus walked it perfectly because we know that he ate with sinners mm-hmm. on the regular like that was yeah. that was in fact I was looking I was reading in Luke um, yesterday and it was so interesting to me because it says Jesus often ate mm-hmm. with sinners and tax collectors and so in my mind this question popped up of what kind of person is attracted to you mm-hmm. sinners and tax collectors were attracted to Jesus and they came and hung out with him mm-hmm. nowadays if I were to talk to my 17 year old daughter and say what kind of people are attracted to you if it was the worst of the worst I would not be okay with that <laughs> yeah so um so how do we live like he did and make it not I think that we trust him with that part mm-hmm. like we live in relationship and we love whoever he brings into our path mm-hmm. exactly as they are mm-hmm. in that moment and we trust him with anything that's not in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and when you bring up Jesus, which, of course, that's where my mind should have went, um, I think about him sitting with tax collectors and sinners, and then I think about times when he was with his disciples and he rebuked them mm-hmm. because they knew. 
Mm-hmm. It's almost like you are, it's almost like if you know somebody doesn't know, mm-hmm. then you, th- it's a totally different way of having a relationship with them as if it's somebody that you do know that knows, that you do have authority over, mm-hmm. that it can be a different conversation. Absolutely. Because to whom much is given, much mm-hmm. is expected. And so when we have come into relationship with him, and this even holds true for people in relationship, I Mm -hmm. have plenty of people that I disciple that are brand new in the faith. And so I don't expect as much from them Mm -hmm. as I do from you. Right. I'm not, they're going to come and they're going to say, oh, this happened or this. And and there's a ton of grace there because they're Mm -hmm. brand new and they're just learning. And there's a ton of space and there's a learning curve and there's all these things. And teaching them to have grace for themselves, because I think mm-hmm. so often we shouldn't do this, but we do. But we compare our res- mm-hmm. we compare. Oh, her relationship with God looks so cool, and this is going. And then we compare it to ours. Well, my relationship with Jesus, this interactive, really cool, has, is seventeen years old. Mm-hmm. So if yours is only seventeen days old, there's you can't compare those exactly. two, but they can be shared, mm-hmm. and so that we each grow and be encouraged. I mm-hmm. have had brand new people that are just learning to have a relationship with God and hear him and experience him tell me things that have encouraged and delighted me and helped grow my faith. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter how long you've been in. It's just being faithful to what he's given you. So I do think you're right. I think absolutely mm-hmm. Jesus' comments and his statements were completely determined by his audience. Mm -hmm. Because you watch him talk to the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of the law, the people that knew better. Mm -hmm. And he didn't, he didn't mince words, but it wasn't kind. I mean, it was, Mm -hmm. you know, he called it, it just Mm -hmm. wasn't always nice. And it was because they knew better. They knew, yeah. They knew the scriptures and they knew better. And Mm -hmm. he was right there amongst them and they didn't recognize him. Mm -hmm. So Mm, that's kind of a scary thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if we're living... If we are shooting for living righteously, um, there's a couple of things we need to take into consideration. And the first one is Isaiah 32, verse 17. I'm going to read this in out, out of the NLT, the New Living Translation, because I just love how it says it. The result of righteousness. So what's the result? What's the end result? I'm kind of one of those kind of people. Like, what's in this for me? The result of righteousness will be peace. Mm. And that is shalom in the Hebrew. That is just, that's so much more than peace. That's a peace in all the places that it doesn't just mean you kind of have a peaceful day. It means that God brings peace into all the places. Um, And the effect of righteousness will be quiet confidence forever. When you know that you know that you are doing the best that you can, that you are seeking him first and that you are trying to walk faithfully with him there's a confidence that comes with that because you're not dealing with shame you're not dealing with regret and when something happens that you fall off the track a little bit or you do something that you wish you hadn't done you're right there in relationship so you ask for forgiveness you dust yourself off and you keep going because mm-hmm. that's our walk with him it's it's going to be fluid and there's going to be times you're better than others but you're okay because you're in a relationship and he's He's picking you back up. He's dusting you off sometimes and sending you on your way. So there's a peace in that. And there's a confidence that you can walk in because you're not constantly worried about when some some sin is going to catch up with you Mm -hmm. because they do. Yeah, you never equate right living or righteousness 
to the result of that being peace. Like in my brain, I didn't go there. Um, but it's a really good gauge. It is. It's so if you're such not such a good gauge, if your peace is stolen, then you may have to, you might need to look at what you're seeking first. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What you're seeking first. So in Second Corinthians chapter five verse twenty one, this verse is so important to us because here it tells us that that God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us to take on our sin so that we could receive his righteousness. So what that means is even when you mess up, even when you do it wrong, you are still cloaked in the righteousness of Jesus. Oh, that's so good. God still looks at you and sees the righteousness of Jesus because he took on all the he took on all that guilt. Um, and all the consequence, the ultimate consequence of death for sin. And so we don't have to do this mm-hmm. on our own. We don't have to figure out all the pieces and all the parts. Um, but what you can do is trust him to direct you um, into righteousness. And when you miss it, you can trust that he's got you covered as well. Mm-hmm. So um, the final verse I want to look at on righteousness is from the Beatitudes. Um, Also from the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are we when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Mm. Like I can't even imagine being hungry and thirsty for righteousness. I haven't had lunch yet, so I'm kind of hungry and thirsty for all things food. But maybe not righteousness. So what does that look Mm. like to hunger and thirst? Like, if you've ever fasted, you know what it means to be hungry, or even if you've mm-hmm. missed a meal or woke up hungry or a meal got delayed. Mm-hmm. When you hunger and thirst for something, mm-hmm. you're going to find a way to get it. You are. You are going to do what it takes mm-hmm. to get your food or mm-hmm. get your water. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's life-sustaining, so oh, of course you do. Sure. It is life-sustaining, mm-hmm. and it becomes your single most priority. It does. Like, if you... You know how it is. I had somebody call me the other oh, day yeah. and say, I'm hangry. And I was like, what? Well, she was angry because she was hungry. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know about this combining words and making <laughs> two Picking words in one. Your uh, own word. Whatever. But anyway, it's happening these days. So to, uh, you know, to, to pray and ask God to give us a hunger and a thirst for mm-hmm. righteousness, one of the things that would do is it would keep us it would keep it at the center of our attention and focus mm-hmm. because when you're hungry and thirsty, you can't focus on anything else. Mm-hmm. Like I need a drink. I need something to eat. It's very true. My focus is off. It's hard to think. Yes. So that is absolutely something we can pray and we know that he'll hear and answer mm-hmm. is to increase our hunger and thirst for righteousness. Um, because mm-hmm. when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, he promises us that we'll be satisfied, that we will be filled. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you hunger, he fills you. As you hunger, he fills you. And mm-hmm. that is a pretty sweet promise. Yeah, that is. It's like when you um, when you focus on it, you get it, and then the result of it is peace. Mm-hmm. Shalom. Shalom, mm-hmm. absolutely. 
Okay, so since we skipped talking about the kingdom of God <laughs> in the verse, um, I do want to at least tell you some pretty cool things about the kingdom of God um, that I just kind of started doing a little research. And my favorite fun fact about the kingdom of God happens in Acts chapter 19. Um, this is a story, this is about Paul. And it tells us that he preached for three months reasoning and persuading the people about the kingdom of God. Hmm. For three months, he talked to them about the kingdom of God with using reason and persuasion. Hmm. So I think that was, that was really cool that that was the topic. And you know if he did that in Ephesians, if he did that in Ephesus, like if he went there and talked to them about the kingdom of God, he didn't give a different message to the people of Thessalonica or Rome or, you know, Philippi, any of the other places he went. They also got the message of the kingdom of God. And his letters, his follow-up letters after teaching them, was always how to maintain life in the kingdom of God. Because they already knew. He had taught them how to live in the kingdom. So then his follow-up letters would have been, okay, how do you... Mm-hmm. Let me give you some extra tips. Let me give you some extra help. I see you're having some struggles here. How do we live in the kingdom of God on the daily? Mm-hmm. And um, while they had been taught, you're still going to run into, you know, stumbling blocks and, mm-hmm. you know, things that just kind of trip you up. Well, we hear that a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. the Corinthians, I mean, you see oh, yeah. a lot of, and he helps them and points out where they might not where they might be falling short mm-hmm. and helps them to, he redirects them. He does. He very much does. That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in the Gospels alone, the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven is mentioned 110 times. Just and, in the Gospels? Just in the Gospels. Oh, wow. And almost all of that is mentioned by Jesus. Mm. Now, I want to tell you really fast. So sometimes the kingdom is referred to as the kingdom of God. And sometimes it's referred to as the kingdom of heaven. And there is a reason. It's always Matthew that is calling it the kingdom of heaven. So why Matthew? Why is he doing that? Why does Luke always say kingdom of God? Well, the reason is, is because Matthew was a Jew. Luke was a Gentile. Um, He was not a Jew. So Matthew was super sensitive to his Jewish readers, whereas Luke's reader, um, we're pretty confident, was not a Jew. He would have been a fellow Gentile. But Matthew was specifically writing to the Jews, trying to prove in his gospel that Jesus was the Messiah promised from the Old Testament. Well, one of the things about the Jewish people, especially at this point in their history, they um, had taken the one of the Ten Commandments that says, and thou shalt not use the Lord's name in vain, the Lord your God's name in vain. And they had exponentially changed that to mean never say God's name. Oh, geez. Ever. So um, I took a biblical Hebrew class um, from the um, Institute of Israel out of Jerusalem. I did it virtually before virtual learning was so popular and famous um, a couple of years ago. And our teacher was a Messianic Jew. And all of us that were taking it were Christians, and we were learning how to read Hebrew and understand the original language and things. And whenever we would get to the name of God, Yahweh, and we would go to pronounce it, she would stop us and say the name. So when the Jewish people, 
So can you imagine they'd be reading along, let's just do John 3.16. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying for, it would be for the name, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Like, mm. they would not use, they would never say the word God. And so Matthew knew this. So instead of calling it the kingdom of God, he called it the kingdom of heaven because he knew that's where God resided. So he changed it to make it easier for the Jewish people to be able to read his letters um, and read his stories and repeat them Mm -hmm. because they would not have to Mm -hmm. say the name of God. So that was because they didn't want to accidentally say it the wrong way? Take it in Maine, I guess so. Okay. So it was one of the things that has happened... Um, in the Jewish culture is, and it had by Jesus' time, and that's why he got onto the Pharisees and the teachers of the law so much, is they had taken what was the original law and added about 10 to 30 times as many laws to teach you how to obey those laws. Gotcha. Like you can't take this many steps on the Sabbath. In fact, when we were in, when I was in Israel, one of the things that was the most crazy to me was on the Sabbath, it's against their Sabbath beliefs to press an elevator button. So when we were in the hotel and on the Sabbath, there was a Sabbath elevator that stopped at every floor so you wouldn't have to push the button. You never wanted to get on the Sabbath elevator on the Sabbath because it stopped at every floor because it was against the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. To Okay, when the law, there were no elevators. Like, so this law has obviously been added mm-hmm. more recently. So that's, that's a very common thing. So one of the things that they did long ago was say you can't say the name of God at all mm-hmm. um, to yeah. avoid breaking that law. And to us, it sounds silly, but to them, it's very serious. It's, and it's very, part of their culture. It is super serious, super mm-hmm. serious. So all in all, the kingdom of God is talked about 136 times in the New Testament. Um, one of my favorite things when I, when I think about the importance of the kingdom of God is what Jesus said. And he said it in Matthew as well, but I'm going to take it from Luke. Luke chapter 4, verse 43. The people are wanting him to stay longer with them. Whatever town he's in, they're like, hey, can you stay? And he's like, nope. I have to go because I, to preach the good news, which is where the word gospel comes, you know, that's mm-hmm. gospel means good news. So I have to preach the gospel or the good news of the kingdom of God. That's the gospel. We talk about the gospel as the good news. The good news of what? It's the good news of the kingdom of God. And he said, because that is why I was sent. Mm -hmm. He was sent to proclaim and to bring into existence the kingdom of God here on earth. Mm -hmm. That's why he was sent was to make that kingdom a reality here for us now, that we could experience God, that we could experience all things that he has for us now. So he did not show up to preach a plow a place that they would eventually go. He showed up to bring into being the kingdom of God here. So I think that's that to me is one of my very favorite parts. Um, that Jesus said was that's why he's here when you decided to do this class and I started of course when you're talking about it with your friend and it just pops up everywhere Mm -hmm. I don't know it's almost like when you buy a new car and that one particular car you see everywhere now because it's I don't know it's probably some scientific name for that but anyway there probably is um you that was the biggest revelation for me was that I could experience it now. 
Mm-hmm. That when I read it in the Bible, I didn't have to make it something, some lofty thing that was not reachable for me until my physical body was dead. Mm-hmm. Um, that it was something that was available to me right here, right now, while I'm on earth, living my life. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't get that. And so we will absolutely be looking mm-hmm. into that in great detail to figure out how do we live it? Mm-hmm. How do we live in the kingdom here and now? So it tells us if we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added to us. What are all these things? Well, it was the things he talked about in the verses previous, which was not to be anxious and not to worry about what you were going to eat or what you were going to drink or what you were going to wear. Because when we keep our priority on him, he will, in his way, in his time, provide all that we need. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super important to say, though, that doesn't mean that if you seek him first, that your life is going to be all sunshine and rainbows. Mm-hmm. Because it's not. It's not fair to say that when you look at Paul's life, who we know sought him first. When we look at Jesus' life, he died on a cross. Obviously, he was seeking God's kingdom first. He was here to make it happen. But it didn't mean there wouldn't be hard places. Mm-hmm. Um Every single one of the 12 other than John were martyred, mm-hmm. you know, and Judas, he wasn't. But life wasn't necessarily easy, and there were a lot of sacrifices. Um, we're supposed to take up our cross daily. So that has to go in there. But we have to know that when we are seeking him first, no matter what we are going through becomes worth it when you learn and when we begin to understand that we he is walking through it with us. And he mm-hmm. is... Um, our strength and he is our source and he is our refuge and all of those things when we can really step into that then we um, no matter what life throws at us Mm -hmm. when we're seeking him first it's all just something to overcome or to walk through or to wait on victory but just trusting him that Mm -hmm. that he's got us regardless of where we are. Yeah, and I think a lot of the time, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but when it comes to the things that when he provides, when he gives provision, mm-hmm. um, that he always does do that. He is also always growing our faith. Mm-hmm. So we can't expect for our lives to, like you said, be sunshines and rainbows because when you have to grow your faith, it's not a comfortable place a lot of the time. So he is growing our faith, putting us in circumstances that might not be ideal, and or he may not have put us there. You know, we might have gotten ourselves there or we might be believing a lie and all of those things, but... In turn, when it grows our faith and we come out on the other end with more faith Mm -hmm. and we have sought him through it rather than um, not doing that. Taking matters into our own hands. Taking matters into our own hands. That's when the provision Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. all the things that we need become a reality for us. He's going to find ways to grow our faith because we don't typically look for ways to do it on our own because growing your faith isn't comfortable. 
I'm not walking around looking for things that are going to make me uncomfortable. <laughs> no, none of us are. Why would I, I do that? I don't blame you. I'm not either. <laughs> There's enough of them without me having to look for more. Okay, so we're going to end this podcast with listening for God. It is something that we do at just about the end of every mm-hmm. podcast. Um, it is, I don't know, it is a basic favorite part mm-hmm. of all lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to explain mm-hmm. what that is a little bit. I'm going to, we have three questions today and we are going, I'm going to pray before we get started. I'm going to ask God in his mercy to quiet the voices in our own head because we don't want to hear us. We want to hear what God, ha- what God is saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes that means getting our own voice and the noises in our head quiet. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to bind and gag the enemy and all of his so that the, he can't interfere. And then I'm going to ask the question and you're just going to wait and let him speak to you on what that answer is. Um, God doesn't yell at us. Um, he is not trying to not be heard. Mm-hmm. He wants to be heard by us. He is a God who speaks. And so we need to trust that he can speak more than we doubt that we can hear. Mm-hmm. So um, if it's not easy the first time, that's okay. If it's super easy, that's awesome. Um, we just have to be persistent. It's part of our seeking it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that interactive relationship. Yes. It's foundational to being mm-hmm. interactive with him. So this is one of those beginning steps. And we mm-hmm. pra- and what we do is we call it practice, but you are actually hearing from God. But it helps you to start getting used to what God's voice sounds like when he speaks to you. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pray, um, and then we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for... Um, Lord, I just thank you for... Jesus, Lord, I thank you for the sacrifice that he made so that we could be in relationship with you. Lord, I thank you for this time that we come and we just listen for what you have to say to us. Father, I pray that you will quiet the voices in our heads um, so that we can hear what you want to say and that we will not get in our own way. And Lord, I also ask in your grace and mercy for you to allow us to hear you well. An enemy in the name of Jesus, you have no place here. You are bound and gagged, and you may not interfere in any way with what God wants to do here. You and yours are bound and gagged in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for what you are going to do here. Lord, I thank you for your words, your faithfulness. Um, We just love you so much. We ask all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right, question number one. One word God uses to describe you. One word God uses to describe you. Okay. I heard talented. Oh, I know. I didn't know I had a talent. I thought I lost my my only talent I had, which was nursing. (laughs) Took it away. Uh (laughs) You have lots of talent. Um, So the one word I heard um, last night was enough. Um, that I was enough, and I'm still kind of sitting on that because there's so many times that I don't feel that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to let him speak into that one a little longer. Well, you are. <laughs> Number two, one person God wants to bless through you this week. One person God wants to bless through you this week. So he told me my daughter. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I got my dad. Um, that's going to be fun. Number three, a new place God wants you to seek and find him. A new place God wants you to seek and find him. 
Yep, same as last night. On my knees. On your knees. Mm-hmm. I got in therapy. I do a therapy a couple of times a week, so I guess in the midst of all that uncomfort, I will be finding him in those spaces. Well, guys, I thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Colleen is going to pray us out, and we will catch you on the next podcast. Lord, thank you so much for who you are and for your word, Lord. And thank you for uh, sending your son so that we could experience this kingdom that you're talking about here on earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.